Alejandra. I'm Sam. I'm Harrison. I'm Rocky. And I'm Marcelo. And this is Going Helm Steep, the Middle Earth film series retrospective by Talk Film Society. Episode 3, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Part 1. So, yeah, if this is your first time listening to this, uh, go back. <laughs> maybe, you're, <laughs> maybe you're a super fan of The Two Towers and you just want to jump ahead to uh, the, the middle chapter. Uh, yeah, each episode, we're breaking it down by halves. Um, the extended editions, uh, at least on the Blu-ray and DVDs, are split up. Uh, into halves and and uh, yeah, that's how we're doing it. We've seen the first disc. If you're on, if you're di- if you're watching digitally, uh, I wrote down the, the time code. But uh, yeah, we'll tell you when to stop and uh, and uh, you know wait for the rest of the conversation. But yeah, this is the first part of the two towers. All right, where do we begin, folks? <laughs> With the best intro in the world. Oh my Seriously. god. Yes. Seriously, fam. Like it's, that intro it's up there. is the best. It's like I, I'm just gonna say we already know what it is. It's like Gandalf falling down with the Balrog and actually fighting it. We see what happens when he falls in the chasm. But man, th- it's so well made. It's like when you see him catch up to the sword, you see him stab the Balrog, and then the final wide shot when you see them just falling like super far and you get how vast Middle Earth is, <laughs> even in its depths, you know? Uh, that is like the best opening scene in the fucking world, man. I remember being in my chair rocking back and forth like this is happening, this is happening, like this is happening, like being so excited about it, you know? And every time I talk about it, I get super excited. So yeah, let's talk about that intro. Anybody else? <laughs> so they, I think what's really cool about it is like, I wish they credited it this, mo- this more, but like this is pretty much shot for shot taken out of the... Um, Ralph Bakshi version. Like, I saw that before I saw these. And um, the fact, like, the animation, and the animated version of this has been seared into my head forever. So by the time I got to this, I was like, oh, I know that shot. You should probably, like, say something about that in the credits, and then they don't. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. I was just saying, he, he was credited as saying that, like, I grew up on the Bakshi cartoon and not the okay. books. So it okay. does not surprise me that he lifted wholesale, like, from it, because that was what he's drawing from. You know, right. that's, like, his main visual influence. You know, yeah. of course, he learned more as the project went along, you know, oh, uh, from especially his illustrators and stuff. But, yeah, like, that's one of the main reasons why there's a lot of Bakshi DNA in this mm-hmm. uh, film. Uh, how about Sam? Your opinions on this opening? Uh, okay, so the the uh, aerial shots of the mountains, and we're hearing, uh, you know, the, the Gandalf's the dialogue slowly pulling in. Uh, I think the first thing you can hear that you can actually go like, "Oh, that's from the is." I think is Frodo saying, you know, his first scream of Gandalf. Uh, but just the way it it's fucking epic in every sense of the word, and it's just so great. And it, I have a question. Yes, yes. please, Allie. So, I know that these were... Damn, I suck at this. Okay, I know that these were, like, filmed all at once. But, like, do you do you know if it was, like, filmed all at once and then edited all at once and it just took so long? Or do you think that they, like, took a break? No, because- they did, They did like, a lot... They did post stuff while the movies were coming out. Like, I think they took a break. Mm-hmm. I think Jackson said, like, he... 
to do the premiere like he had to, like that was the only reason they stopped post was like on the other movies was like to do the premiere and then they were right back to New Zealand to uh, get back with the you know visual effects and everything well, I mean it makes sense then because like you guys mentioned like everything just gets better and better in terms of like technicality mm-hmm. with the movies but for a second there I thought that like they literally just edited them all at once too but then I remember that they were editing down to like the very last minute of the last movie anyway so yeah, yeah. as I said last week the um, the melting of the one ring was finished like within hours of the premiere love that yeah, I uh, I listened to some of the commentary, and uh, in the opening, uh, Peter Jackson says that New Line uh, wanted Kate Blanchett to do a an intro, a, a prelude narration to the Two Towers because they liked her so much in um, in Fellowship, her intro. So, yeah, they, they they had seen like what they edited together in Fellowship, and like they're like, hey, let's just do that again in Two Towers. And Peter Texas was like, no, let's do something else. Let's <laughs> let's have this amazing opening. Uh, yeah, I love, cause part I love about these movies is that like each opening is so completely different than in each movie. Like, uh, I mean, you get the uh, you know the narration and stuff in the first one, and then this is the probably one of the best in media ray versions I've ever, of things I've ever seen. Uh, and then obviously the third one has the the third yeah. one is I will get there, but like yeah. I have to skip it sometimes. Mood. It's rough. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. disgusting. Oh god. We'll talk about that in two weeks <laughs> because I got thoughts. I got <laughs> I got feelings. Um, Are we gonna have to break uh Return of the King into three episodes? I think maybe we'll get to that later, but uh we'll yeah, yeah, I don't know. I so. If we edit out all the crying, we'll be able to fit another <laughs> two episodes. Um, but like I think yeah, the fact that all of the intros are so different, but they're each grandiose in their own way. Like the first one is this like we are condensing this huge important history into ten minutes. Mm-hmm. With like the biggest battle, biggest battles you've seen to this point, and like the largest scale fantasy stuff seen on screen to this point, and then the two towers is opens with one of the hypest one-on-one fights ever committed to film at this point, and it's just an old man and a and a fire demon falling. <laughs> like that's a technical achievement in and of itself. Yeah, speaking of that shot that Rocky mentioned, the them falling into the the underground lake is just it's god level. It's uh, I can't. I rewound it and watched it like four times when I during this rewatch. Uh, it's just so great, and I love how. And then it cuts to you know Frodo uh, dreaming, uh, it, or quote dreaming, uh, but it's just it's so good. I don't know because I know sometimes we say that we are going to argue that this is one movie like all three of them are one movie but i feel like each one has such a different tone that and i mean we see it with the intros to all of them like they're all so different that i would almost like it feels like i'm watching three different movies so i'm on both sides of the coin and i don't know which one i like more no i I, i'm with you there i switch even just the way i talk about them all the time but uh like i remember like i was very clear in episode zero like they're one movie, fight me, and then it's like some later, like I'll say movies, it's fine, it's whatever. It's it's hard to even think about as movies, even then it's like I think there's like Lord of the Rings and then there's other movies, like that's I just think of it, it's just it's wholly unique in the way that it was 
you know, like shot it all at the same time and we'll never get movies like this again. I mean, we had uh, beside, you know, it's like, so it's, it's on its own plane. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very good point because I have felt that way. I actually, for talk from society a few years ago, uh, we did a poll online and ranked, you know, uh, you know, all the movies and said, "Hey, here are the top 100 movies," and we got some um, um, negative feedback when we decided. Well, I decided to <laughs> to uh, to jumble you know, to combine the trilogy, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as one movie. And uh, back then, I was like, you know, why not? Come on, because uh, yeah, like like to, to Tally's point, like, yeah, you know, some people see this a, a complete, you know, experience, a complete movie, quote unquote, these three separate things. So why not put them all together? Okay, would I do that now? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so, because yeah, there is a distinct feel to, to the two towers than Fellowship. It, it it is all in the same universe. It's part of all the same story, but to me, it's just almost, it's different. It's like I just yeah, feel like. Um, they're both they're all pretty dark but like i feel like fellowship is more whimsical and feels more like fairy tale to me and then yeah like, i was gonna say helm steve two towers feels it just feels gradually more serious and like darker which makes a lot of sense but it's it almost feels yeah it's hard to cut you off it almost feels like okay. a war film exactly uh, exactly yeah. i would actually say that um Return of the King feels a little bit more like a war film to me than Death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. and, and sorry to interrupt again, but like, yeah, Two Towers, especially this first part of Two Towers, it very, it feels very political, setting up, like, right. the, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, setting up the pieces for, you know, the second mm-hmm. parts of this and also Return of the King. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. The way I've been watching them is not necessarily watching both halves together because I'm very busy. Um, and have a lot going on in my life. Rip me. I've been watching each half on a different day. Yeah. I so I, I, have, almost, I have two. I have two. Yeah, I would almost make the case that, like, the way it's broken up, it's paced like a miniseries. Yeah, I could, I yeah. could see that. Yeah. Like, Two Towers is kind of wonky in that regard because the way they break it up, it almost happens mid-sentence. Um, but yeah, like Fellowship and Return of the King specifically have like pretty natural breakpoints in them, where you go from one half to the other, and there's almost a tonal shift amongst the halves. So I think, and the fact that like the the books are split into um, books themselves, like. Right. I think it mirrors the structure of the book in a really organic and beneficial way um, so that you can just kind of watch one half one day, take a day off, and then watch the other. Fellowship is pretty much the way it is shown in the movie because it's this whole group coming through start to finish and ending with the breaking of the Fellowship. But Two Towers and Return of the King, the... Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Pippin, and Mary Chunk comes at the start, uh, mm-hmm. and then the second half is Frodo and Sam, which is kind of exhausting. Right. Because, especially in Return of the King, 
you can only listen to Tolkien talk about gray rocks for so long <laughs> before it just gets dull. And I get that's kind of the point because, like, it's like World War One, like because World, World War One yeah. trenches, depression, allegories are really heavy-handed at that point, but it's understandable. But like, dude, sh- shift them up. Jumble it up a bit, make it interesting. <laughs> so, uh, which, but, yeah, yeah. So, 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 to the credit of the films, I mean, obviously, yes. uh, mm-hmm. Jackson and the screenwriters were like, "Yeah, let's <laughs> let's not split it in, in in half and just make it like like you would any adaptation, and you know, and cross cuts these stories." Which, well, right, you have to you have to adapt it to the art form. It is that's why people whenever uh, people talk about better than the book or better than it's like you can say that because like. This might be a better movie than that as a book. I'm not talking about this specifically. I'm talking about in general. Uh, but like, they're different. They're completely different fucking art forms. Like you can't, uh, you know. It's like the ver- difference between a painting and a. Uh, again, I'm j- rambling again, but you know what I'm saying. Like that is. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Uh, yeah. I feel like this. De- I feel like this debate <laughs> might be. Ali, uh, Ali, go ahead. I, 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 I want to hear Ali's take. I Ali's totally take. agree 100. Like, obviously, how are you going to evaluate two different? mediums of entertainment yeah with the same like rubric I guess but also like I just I can never get tired I'm always in the mood to watch Lord of the Rings I'm like not always in the mood to read it oh I feel you yeah oh absolutely um but the uh the adaptation discussion I feel like will come up again in uh (laughs) four to six weeks oh oh yes yeah so so you know what else is really cool is like uh when Frodo wakes up, and then Sam's there, and then Gollum starts to creep in on him. <laughs> this is true. This is yeah. true. Gollum climbing down that wall so, is, no, yeah. like, fucking gross. That's, I hate it. That's Thank you, Rocky, because, like, yeah, like, so we bring in Gollum, and this is why, yes, uh, to Ali's point, it feels like a very darker <laughs> chapter compared to what we just saw in Fellowship, when, yes, of course, it is pretty dark, too. We, we just saw Sean Bean shot with, like, 12 arrows. That's pretty mm-hmm. dark. But no, we bring in the character of Gollum as a new supporting player in this. Let's talk about Gollum. This this iteration of Gollum, okay? I, yeah, I can't describe the feeling of sitting in that theater the first time we fucking see Gollum in all his glory. Like, I mean, I, I assume we saw him in the trailer, but I really don't remember the trailers at all. I'm gonna be honest. Like, I... The old, I think my all of my memories just revolve around my sitting in the theater for each movie um, but like I just remember being just like losing my mind at, that, at those effects I mean uh, and then you know James Cameron is also in that place where he's like oh shit that's the best shit I've ever seen and I'm gonna you know like it's it's incredible and it's aged really well too I mean it, you, it's it's still it's a little dated but it's like because of how it's shot and how it's uh, the performance is so good that you know Andy Serkis is a god among men. So uh, it's amazing. Oh yeah, like Weta definitely did something very special with that motion capture performance. I mean, they kind of set the standard for a lot of shit that would get better and better and better. But when you have a great actor 
who actually takes the motion capture seriously, again, it's it's in your attitude of how the effect is used and not if it's going to be dated or not. I can watch old school films and be like, yeah, tech has gotten better since then, but it's the, sh- the way the shot is lit, it's the way it's like handled, and I would argue that Gollum is handled very, very well. There's only a few shots that I think are like, eh, that, that looked a little suspect, but beyond that, that it, <laughs> dude, in the scene we're talking about, there's one tiny moment that always stands out to me, and this is the most important shit in the world, it's when a digital character interacts with the real environment and there's a mm-hmm. moment when he's fighting with Sam and Frodo and he whips around real quick and the blanket that's underneath the ground tosses itself yeah. like it kind of flies away that's the kind of shit that I look for in all kinds of movies like when the T-Rex is running along the, the people in the lost world and it smashes like the bus the bus is real and they collapse the real bus and the T-Rex is the digital part. So when you marry the two, it looks great. It like stands up really well. There's a lot of that in Lord of the Rings that they fucking focused on and I was so happy about. Like that's the kind of shit that makes it timeless in a way. You know, again, even when the effect is like we've gotten better mocap, but man, that shit looks so good and that's what you should be doing. It's like a standard was set. No way to killed it, man. They totally mm-hmm. killed it. Oh yeah, I mean, um, uh, just hearing them describe it, Peter Jackson and uh, 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 Philippa Boyens, and uh, remind me, sorry, Fran Walsh. Fran Walsh, Walsh. thank you. Um, hearing them describe uh, Andy Serkis and just how they pulled off that performance and that motion motion capture, it's incredible. I I, I even think I may be wrong, but that the uh, the blanket moving uh, may have been like a uh, not a mistake, but like wasn't intended. <laughs> And they were like, you know, you know what looks looks you know adds to the realism. Let's let's just keep it in. All right, we, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Serkis was going a bit too crazy that yeah. on uh, on set that day. So let's just keep it in. But yeah, and I mean, I like, love that. Part of what makes this performance so good is that they hit on the fact that you need to still have an actor there on set mm-hmm. doing the performance. Like, not to name names, but a certain other epic fantasy trilogy that was filming around this time uh, opted to just use tennis balls uh, and blue screen instead of actually having other performers for Ewan McGregor to act against. I have no idea what what trilogy you're talking talking about. Sam Raimi, Harrison? (laughs) I, I think he's talking about Avatar. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's Avatar. What the fuck is he talking about? I'm seriously <laughs> wrecking my brain. Star Wars prequels. Star Wars. Yeah, I'm talking about hey, the prequels. This is not a Star Wars podcast, but I fucking like the prequels. Anyway. No, Ali, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I didn't want to I didn't want to just dunk on them. The comparisons have to be made, right? Because in nine like Jar Jar Binks and Gollum are made with pretty much the exact same tech, but one plays significantly better than the other. Of course, I agree, 100%. And it's just kind of baffling to see the diff- the polar opposite choices being made in terms and like but for similar ends because both Lucas and Jackson kind of wanted to move the medium forwards with what motion capture could do and one clearly won out and the other one not so much. <laughs> No, yeah, um, because hey, uh, it's Andy Circus who went on to become Andy Circus because of this film, because of this right. franchise, and now he's synonymous with like motion capture and pushing the medium forward. Uh, Jar Jar Binks, yeah, exactly, <laughs> not so much. Uh, but uh, hey, that, that that actor who played Jar Jar Binks, this is just a tangent. Poor guy. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, awesome. absolutely. Yeah. I feel for the man. Yeah, the grace that he's shown has been, it's amazing. He's, he's, a, he's a great dude. Yeah, he is. So shout out to him. Ahmed Best. There you go. Yeah, Thank you, it. Ahmed yeah. Best. Uh, so I have a little more to say about Andy Circus, but I want to wait till the scene towards the end of this episode because it's amazing. So but we have a lot more to talk about before then. Oh, yeah, uh, we have plenty to talk about. Let's, yeah. let me jump to... What, why don't we jump to the other subplot? Because, what, there are two going on right now here in the beginning? Uh, let's catch three. There's, there's three. There's three? Because like, it's yeah. Yeah, Frodo, Sam, uh, Aragorn, Gimli, and, and Legolas, and then the Mary and Pippin. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so I just combined the Pippin and Mary with uh, the rest of the, the fellowship. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the, the three dudes. Let's talk about the three dudes then, all right? My favorite, my heart. Yeah. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Boys, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So I'm gonna be totally honest with you guys. I I obviously love all of it, but like I could skip, I could skip the Frodo stuff. I could. My favorite like thing about this is anything that has to do with Gimlet, Legolas, and um, Aragorn. Like, I love watching their stuff. Fucking thank you. I was worried I was going to be alone this week. No, no, I, no, I, no, think, no, no. I, I think you're right, and I think, but I think part of it is great is that, like, you, you obviously need Frodo and Sam, but I, I get what you're saying, but I think it, it kind of it's feels like it... It's just, like, like, my favorite stuff about Lord of the Rings is all the, like, like I love Rohan, and I love Gondor, and I, like, I love all of that shit, and sure. so I... I really care when Pippin and Mary kind of reunite with the three of them because, like, then I could get two of my favorite things. But, like, I don't really... I don't know. I obviously care. I love Frodo, by the way. Like, I'm definitely a Frodo apologist. We stand. We, yeah, you know, like, everyone's an idiot. But I just... <laughs> I just don't need to... Like it doesn't move me the way that the other stuff does. Well, and it's dumb, but to your to, to be fair to you though, also like that the uh, the Frodo and Sam stuff it's it's emotion it's exhausting and and a good <laughs> I think it, it but I mean that in the, I mean that as a compliment I mean that like but it's emotionally rough because Sam it's basically Sam help, trying to help Frodo through like withdrawal like it's it's brutal and emo- emotionally it is brutal. And yeah. Like, it's just that also, I mean, I wrote a piece about it that I, it's like my favorite thing I've ever written. I, I love the Frodo stuff and that's kind of what obviously has helped me through a lot of like the dark shit in my own life. But I find that what gives me the most like hope and the most positive outlook is the stuff that happens with the three dudes and Merry and Pippin. Like, and Eowyn obviously, but we only see Eowyn when it's really like the three dudes. You know what I mean? So, no. I don't know. The other stuff is a lo- very bleak for me, and it's, like, a little hard to watch, so I usually, like, honestly, I skip it sometimes. I'm not going to even front. No. I I agree with you in Two Towers. Part two of Return of the King has, like, the saving grace of that entire plot line for me. But we'll get to that in a few weeks. I, I just wanted to ask Allie, like, is it just... I mean, do your feelings on Frodo and his plot with Sam and Gollum was like, it, does it begin here, or is it, is it a case for like uh, here through like Return of the King? Um, hmm. I think it starts here. I think it starts once like the Fellowship has been divided into three, and it kind of ends once they finally reach Mordor. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just curious. I really, I mean, like, the the whole, like, but I can carry you thing, like, that is the best thing ever. So I, like, really love that. But, I mean, the other stuff, I'm just like, okay, we get it. Sam is very territorial of Frodo and he hates <laughs> Gollum. But also, I'm, like, a Smeagol apologist because I love him and he's adorable. I think he's very cute. I want one. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, like, I'm, I've had enough. <laughs> it's a bunch know, of the same stuff for them for like a huge chunk of the movie it's Smeagol and Sam fighting and then Frodo like seizing because of the ring a lot more happens with the other guys than happens here gotcha yeah like story to me I mean not in terms of character arc obviously I think there's more character arc in the in the in Frodo's story but it's just in terms of like plot and like action, obviously more happens with the other guys, so I feel like a lot more entertained and invested. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. So let's talk about those three dudes, all right? Legolas! <laughs> with your Elvis IC! Oh, mmm, mmm. Since Rocky brought it up, can I go on my rant for this week? <laughs> yeah, here we go. Let's, let's open up Harrison's rant corner. Da, 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 da. All right, so, like, this is a super fucking small thing, but considering how much everyone on crew professes their love for this goddamn series, it should have been an easy fucking thing to catch. When when asked by Aragorn, what do your L5 see, Legolas says the Uruks have turned northeast. Looking at a map of Middle-earth, <laughs> the only reason for them to turn northeast in order to go to Isengard is if they fucking passed it. Oh my god. Like, they ran past it and then had to double back. He mad. Well, they are Uruks. They're stupid, all right? Let's go with that. But, like, even the... <laughs> it just doesn't make sense because if you... Like, I've got the map in front of me. Of course, <laughs> of course. you fucking do. I hear the rustling. <laughs> I've got my copy of the book. I'm looking at a map. If they ran back... If they would turn northeast and camped outside Fangorn, they had walked past Isengard and were active or were turning around and going away from it. You dumb motherfuckers can't even remember where your goddamn house is. <laughs> My favorite thing about this is how he's cutting in and out. And <laughs> so he's good. Just like, motherfucker, house <laughs> guard. <laughs> I am still here. <laughs> oh my fucking god Harrison <laughs> shrunk he shrunk they took his voice to Isengard man it's the opposite of the Entwater whatever the opposite of Entwater is <laughs> Harrison I'm here can we keep this in, please? We can keep we can keep some of it in. <laughs> oh Jesus! And that was Harrison's rant corner. Now, uh, Legolas, uh, Gimli, and Aragorn—they're in search of Merry and Pippin. Um, and uh, poor Merry and Pippin are uh, are riding along with these orcs. And uh, yeah, I um, love this stuff. I uh, love it. I, I love the uh, the bickering orcs versus Urukai is just the shit. I, I love it so much. And I love that it's 
It's very New Zealand. It's very like that sense of humor. Uh, it's it's so good. Uh, it's, like, Pete, could, it's Peter Jackson getting to be Peter Jackson again. I mean, yeah. he throws a decapitation in there. We see guts flying in the air and yeah. limbs flying, and I'm just like, yeah, Peter, like get it, like <laughs> get, get your it. fucking rock, like get your crazy dead alive shit off, man. Hell yeah, like uh, that stuff made me happy. Force Mary to drink some grog and shit, you know, like it's uh, gross and. Meats, meats back on the menu, boys. That's the line. Yep. Yeah, such yeah. a good line. It's a good line. Um, but hey, at one point we think Mary and Pippin are dead. Poor guys. Do um, we? We well, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Peter Jackson on the commentary. This is uh, I, I listened to like like half of it, so I'm not going to keep spewing uh, spewing this like commentary stuff. But uh, Peter Jackson's like, hey, wouldn't it be great if like the audience thought Mary and Pippin were dead? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, Peter. Eleven-year-old me thought they were dead. Uh, oh, okay. I'll, I'll there you go. It. There you go. But the, the Harrison, I mean, yeah, come on. Like, the, uh, you know, moviegoers who may, you know, may not have read the books or know anything about the movies, maybe they're like, oh no, they're Excuse dead. You hadn't <laughs> been forced to read the books. <laughs> forced, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah. yeah. No, I mean, right. it's it's it, it keeps the viewers interested, and I, I kind of like that that play but even though i didn't even though i didn't believe it obviously but then you know the three dudes hey they meet up with uh who is it is it carl urban or is it the other guy it is fucking carl it urban, is carl urban that made right? me fall in love with carl urban there you go. Uh, so good in I... this <sighs> you <Yep>. okay <laughs> deep breath let's nope. go on let's move on <laughs> you needed a for, moment for the record ali same okay, okay. same okay. Like I would die for those eyebrows. <laughs> like he could, he could get on a horse and drop his sword on me, please. I yes. thought that was going a completely different direction. <laughs> no, no. Like that's my favorite flub in this entire series: the fact that he gets on the horse and his sword falls out of his damn scabbard, <laughs> and they just left it in. <laughs> like, like when you get a good take, you get a good take. Like. Yeah, exactly, shit like yeah. it, you, you, you don't even notice until like a repeat viewings or until somebody points the shit out on YouTube or whatever. Like you just some gaps you just don't catch, you know, until like a year later or shit. So who cares? But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back on my. I know we're not gonna talk too much about the differences between theatrical and uh, extended, but I'll, I'll I think we can have be permissed one per episode. For so for this, it's for me the fact that we don't get the scenes of. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Someone tell me if I'm wrong, but we don't get the scenes of, um, oh, fuck, why am I, is it Aomir? Is it, is, I'm fucking mm-hmm, That's his name. That's yeah. his name. Okay, thank you. Uh, Aomir finding his, uh, cousin. Like, we don't get that yeah. scene in the theatrical. You're and right. that's fucking stupid to me. Like, it, I get, again, I get it. They needed to cut it down for... Probably the fucking wine scenes. It's all the wine scenes' fault. Okay, but uh, the uh, that scene is super important, and it like, because otherwise we just see instead of just Aowen over her, uh, you know, dying cousin's spot, you know, uh, instead of us getting this actually showing what the row here, what the uh, what they were up to, uh, it's very important to me, and I can't imagine it without it now. And like, just the voiceover works so much better in this because. Saruman's uh, Rohan, my lord, is ready to fall, is over the burning village, which works to a degree. 
in the theatrical, but in the extended, having that line over the corpses of actual Rohirrim soldiers works so much better. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when you find out that, like, Theoden's kid is in there. I cannot remember his name right now, and I'm not going to go looking. Rest I, think it's Th- I think it's Theo Kid. If I remember Theo Kid. Theo, Theo Kid? Yes, thank you. Rocky <laughs> <laughs> said Theo Kid? <laughs> I know he did. <laughs> going to stick uh, with that one. Fucking great. Um, but yeah, like, it, it, it makes you feel that more. It makes you, especially... Uh, when you know when Theoden comes back, like all that stuff, it just it, the fact that we see these you know dudes just get wiped out, you know the aftermath of what it just makes the stakes all the more uh, effective. Yeah, so let's talk about um, Theoden, right? And e- uh, e- Eowyn. Eowyn. These names. Mm-hmm. These, these names. They always get me. Um, let's talk about them because, yes, hey, here are more new characters we're being introduced to in this uh, second chapter in this movie. Two things real quick. Two things. One, Brad Dourif for life. I'm yes, so glad he had a role sure. in this film. Mood. I'm a huge, huge, huge Brad Dourif fan. I'm so glad he had such a wonderful Weasley role. And the music, the theme for the writers of Rohan is the best shit in the fucking world. And I'm going to bring this back up again when we hit Return of the King, man. Like, <laughs> oh, for real. Like, that's, yeah. that's when my soul leaves my body, dude. Like, that theme, just, oh, it's the most beautiful shit, like, in the world. Like, sells that whole uh, their their world, their village, their culture, all of it. It just it's perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. The Rohan music, it, yeah, it's uh, it's up there. It's probably the most. It's one of the most beautiful in the like the. And I love how uh, Harrison mentioned this in the last episode about you know the Celtic nature of uh, Rohan, uh, and it yeah, it's just beautiful. Especially that shot with Eowyn, uh, you know, after. Uh, Grima was a creep to her, and she like runs out there, and that swell of the music—it's oh my god, Ugh. best, 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 best. Yeah, I had to bring it up. It's so good. Rohan is the fucking best. Mood, yeah. like it's so fucking good. Like a little tidbit here, nobody gives a shit about, but like I have the tree of Gondor on my back, and my brother has the hor- like the Rohan horse. Oh no, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that adorable? But anyway, yes, yes. I wish I would have gotten the Rohan horse instead, but whatever. <laughs> so, so like when I, uh, this is the thing I don't broadcast ever, but I've been riding horses since I was about eight. Um, You're a horse guy. I'm a horse boy, uh, <laughs> and I was like deep in it when these were coming out, and I was like reading them and watching them for the first time. And one of the things that got that like sold me on reading these books and getting to the movies was that there's some dope ass horse shit in these movies. Yeah. And yeah, there is. Like, I we stand Shadowfax. We stand a legend, yes. king of all horses, the possibly oh the God. most beautiful horse to have ever existed. Um, and just like, I get, I get emotion every time there's like a big horse. Hold it together. All I heard was I get get emotional when there's a big horse. (laughs) Harrison, 
You're, yeah, I, I, that's the last thing I heard before you cut out, so that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> do, do you need... Uh, Harrison, you've, you've, you've shrunk down again. Harrison Brockwell, horse boy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> quote him on Twitter. <laughs> um, okay, so, yes, so the, the three dudes think the two little dudes are dead. Um, so woe is them until... Yeah. And I, but I love Aragorn using his ranger skills to, uh, like, realizing that they're not dead. He's great. Uh, and uh, just the, the cutting back and forth, like, showing what happened to them is great. Uh, and also just when they approach Fangorn, that's an amazing shot. Like, that, the feeling of, like, oh, fuck, woods are intense in this, in Middle Earth is, is awesome. And what do they find in the woods, y'all? Y'all? <laughs> Big trees. Big All trees. <laughs> Call ants. This is the fucking bullshit <laughs> that that turns everybody off to Lord of the Rings. Which is weird. I, I mean, because I fucking love it. I love it so so much. No, the trees rule. Like, and pause. Fuck those people. Fuck all those Amen. people. Because like the most... The, no, one of the most beautiful things in the world is when he's telling that story and, like, his voice is traveling over the woods and they fall asleep in his arms. Mm-hmm. Like, that is one of the most sincere, most beautiful things in the world. Like, just the way... Oh, it's so awesome. It's like rocking your kids to sleep. Like, it's the best shit in the world. Like, that moment I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. So fuck anybody that hates the ants. Especially when they come after uh, Isengard, man. Holy shit. Like, that's what's up. Well, and it's super important to the theme of the, the fucking uh, entire book series. Like, come on. Like, the whole in- industry, you know, impeding on uh, nature and shit. Like, come on. Like, it's, right. it's the best. Right. And I mean, like... Because we're talking about it now, let me get up on my modernist soapbox because this is my my jam. Like modernists in general, like the World War One mid World mid War movement, um, were really trying to grapple with dawning industrialization in the machine age, especially after World War One saw the dawn of mechanized warfare, where so many people could die from such a distance. It's a similar discussion that um, is in the current. Uh, political space with drones um but in in the 1910s and 20s it was gatling guns mustard gas long-range artillery just coming into the foreground so a lot of the modernist writers were trying to grapple with this and about half of them went the way tolkien did which was like no this is bad embrace nate we need to reconnect with nature despite the war separating it from us and then the other half went full fascist and just leaned into futurism and the mechanation. Like Ezra Pound, Wyndham Lewis ended up doing stuff that became, ended up becoming the model of Italian fascism uh, under Mussolini. I feel educated. Yeah, no, uh, people are going to learn some shit from this podcast they are i i am a modernist at this point like i'm a like i have taken so many goddamn classes on modernism in grad school like it's fucking stupid you're uh, honest i don't know what the fuck modernism is and i literally took a whole ass course on it (laughs) uh we can have a spinoff podcast where we talk (laughs) about modernism because there's way too much of it to define right now uh horses (laughs) <laughs> Speaking of modern, this podcast. 
so where are we in this uh, in this uh, film right so now? So we're uh, Treebeard dropping them off. Uh, Treebeard. I, yeah. Uh, and I just yeah, the ant taught like uh, Jonathan Reese uh, Davies in you know his second role in the trilogy. Uh, yes. As Treebeard, and I, I again, we'll talk about the appendices later, but like the, I remember that really stuck with me. The making of is how they pulled that off, like because it's a combination of CGI, but they also built a uh, animatronic for them to you know interact with, and it's amazing. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. But like him dropping them in front of the White Wizard, I remember being like, "Oh shit!" I don't know yeah. why they'd be taking him to the bad guy, but that's you know, I remember being freaking out. Cause I didn't, I didn't know Gandalf was alive. That was honestly surprising to me, uh, as it when this should happen. So, so let's talk about Gandalf the White, all right? As he is introduced to the three dudes, uh, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. All right, that Make reveal. Quick. <laughs> yeah. That seems so amazing. I love the them. Uh, it's so cool. The fucking first time I saw this was before I read the books. I was so fucking sad that he like didn't know them, kind of. You oh know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, that shit's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Because because uh, 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 Aragon says like uh, Gandalf, and he's like Gandalf. What? Marcelo, I need to correct you. Aragon is a different book. No, oh, <laughs> mm, dude, how could you? Mic drop. Okay. I might, this act, is, I this might is, actually sorry, leave this call. This wow. is me. This was um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It was like caught like I needed to do this, to to kind of like it was catharsis for every time a man has done that to me on Twitter. But yes, Aragon is a different book. Aragon is is a different book, an inferior book about dragons. So is it out. just my pronunciation of his name? Yes. There's two R's in there. Er- Aragorn. Aragorn. No. <laughs> no. Oregon. Shadow snacks. Listen, Rocky knows my trouble with pronunciation. Okay. Ahamkara. Yeah, uh, you, you guys are not going to get a clear uh, uh, pronunciation for me on any of these names. All right, I love you, you said, guys. No, you've been doing excellently. I said Sabathun, Prado, Bobby Canan, Somar, Bobby Bobby Cananavale. Throwback. Let's go. Callback. Uh, All right. So sorry. So okay. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna get this right. Aragorn. There you yes. go. Aragorn. Good job, buddy. Oh my if gosh. If you can't get the pronunciation, just call him Strider. Okay. Well, well, that's. Uh, he was Strider before. I know that even Harrison. He now he's. Yeah, you know, he's I just, Aragorn. I, I do. I do love the fact. Dude, I do love the fact that you know he doesn't quite recognize him, and he has to kind of be reminded of this uh, quest. <laughs> he's been chilling in the woods, just being all pure white, glowing. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, "Yo, fam, like we need you." And he's like, "Oh, okay, cool. Uh, let me just whistle and summon the illest horse <laughs> in the history of horses." <laughs> and is, I don't know, man. Like, like it stuff. is really sad. But then, as soon as Gimli starts like freaking out and saying some shit, Gandalf just starts clapping back immediately, like his old self. Like, there's still some of old Gandalf in there, but like I said the other week 
or last week, I guess, he has ascended. He is pure Maiar spirit at this point. Like, most of the grayness in the human has kind of drained out of him, which, like, as you get further into Return of the King, some of that starts to come back a bit, which is nice. Uh, so by the time he meets up with um, Frodo and Sam again, he's he's more human and he's more grounded, but he is like full godhood at this point, which is why he's like, I, I am Saruman, rather Saruman as he was meant to be. Like he has fully assumed that Maiar spirit form, which Saruman has perverted and brought down mm-hmm. to the lowest of the low. I just want to uh, call out this cool uh, thing in the reveal. Like, before you see his face, you hear his voice, and you see his eyes. And oh, it's so a good. It's a mix of Ian McKellen and Christopher Lee. Uh, right. the, the, the voices, and also, I think they CGI... Uh, Christopher Lee's eyes onto Ian McKellen's face just just yes. to, just to trick you the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that little tidbit. They didn't need to do it, but they're like, why the hell not? Let's let's <laughs> let's make it as like ambiguous as possible until it's not. Then you see Ian McKellen, you know, Gandalf's face. So I love that hey, reveal. Real quick before we skip over it, uh, the whole sequence where he smoked his ruin upon the mountainside is one of the most brilliant images I've ever fucking seen, dude. Mm-hmm. When he holds up that sword, catches the lightning, and then stabs him with the shit? Like, come the fuck on, dude. Like, that's about as fantasy as it gets, dude. Like, that is, like, that was magic. I remember just watching that being like, God. And then there's some, like, Stanley Kubrick art house shit where it's, like, we <laughs> go into Ian McKellen's eyes, there's galaxies fucking forever, and then yeah. it cuts back to Ian McKellen just Gandalf laying on a white screen with his shirt off just like (gasps) just like coming back to life I'm like all right, cool y'all 2001 to this shit good for you that's actually a really really that's a bold (laughs) choice like damn the delivery of smote his ruin upon the mountainside it's the best line reading ever I I, I know it's hyperbole like holy shit like I I'm in love with uh, with that Yeah, Ian throughout this whole uh, saga is fantastic. Like, he really got the voice work right, man. Like, I mean, it's cool to see him in character dressed in this costume and doing all this fantastical shit, but his voice and how he carried that language all throughout this film really sold the shit. And it's back to what you just said, Sam. Like, the whole, the way he delivered that line, it's like, god damn, this this fucking dude gets it, man. Like, completely understands the material he's fucking with right now. Like, it's great. So great. So that Shadowfax theme, guys. Um, oh fuck! I wrote this in my notes. Uh, is one of the most like spiritual moments in all of cinema for me, and I'm I'm serious. Like that shit, it speaks to me. And the way he like shows up out of nowhere and Legolas's reaction of like, unless my eyes deceive me. Oh my god! It's it gets it's, me. It's beautiful. Tears. It's beautiful. We, yeah. we stand a horse god. <laughs> <laughs> I get excited when there's a big horse. <laughs> Thank you. Get you. Emotional. you get, I get, get emotional. emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to reiterate what we said last time about the fucking score and how literally we have said this about every single cue. Every single cue, we're like, this is just, it, it's really emotional. It's I know. Wonderful. And but it is. It's so it is. moving. I've, it's honestly my favorite score of all time. And I, like, I'm eternally grateful. I bow yep. down before Howard Shore. Uh, we're not worthy. Like, 
Yeah. Does he have a Twitter? I'm about to add him. <laughs> I legitimately do not understand how a human can compose something like this. Like, everyone worships at the feet of John Williams, which I'm not saying isn't earned, but, like, this score is otherworldly. Masterclass. It's like... like it, it, it's perfect. I, I just... I don't understand how anybody is capable of something like this. It, I, it honestly this. feels like he came from Middle Earth. Like, that, that, that's yeah. not, like, <laughs> seriously, like, that's what it feels like. Because Williams, yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant, he's a genius. But, like, there's something about, he, ta- he, Shore was, like, I think, think it's the fact that Howard Shore was, you know, not a known name necessarily amongst, uh, you know, general audiences. So, like, the fact that he came along and just made this, it feels, it, it feels like this is, like, a Middle Earth uh, soundscape like it's like he went to Middle Earth and like this broad it's like you know like the Beatles when they went to in, like stole India shit like he stole <laughs> Middle Earth shit uh. I literally can't even fucking wrap my mind around it like it is I'm, tr- I'm trying to find a good word and I can't because what it does to my soul is like it makes me believe in God let's yeah. just fucking put it that way like it's amazing it's so good it, it is transcendent in a yes. way yeah mm-hmm. i think that for me i boiled it down to you know the right person the right time the right place like it, it's just a mixture of things that just went right like you can if it, if it was anybody else doing the score i don't think it would have been as you no. know uh, insert adjective you know heavenly as this but hey you know peter jackson was there at the right time howard Shore was there at the right time and yeah, it's magic, all right? Yeah, r- yeah. Uh, real quick, and we can move on, man. Uh, I think uh, uh, Mercone did it first with Once Upon a Time in the West in terms of, like, this is a huge film, and every single character that we meet on film has their own theme, mm-hmm. has their own set of music, and when you finish that whole film, you've gone through a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful journey, and he pulled it off on Once Upon a Time in the West. I didn't get that vibe again until Lord of the Rings. When Lord of the Rings came out, I'm like, oh, that's their theme, oh, that's their theme, oh, that's their theme, and I wouldn't skip any of it like all of the music in Lord of the Rings is fucking important like way way important so while we're talking about the score in this way I want to just go ahead and plug if you haven't tracked down and listened to the complete recordings of the score do it because it is start to finish the entire score of each movie extended edition front to back and short, they put these out for Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King. And if you don't, like, if you're busy and don't have time to sit down and do it, but want to, like, listen to the film and still get the emotional responses out of the cues, the complete recordings are the way to go because it is beat for beat every single musical cue in these films. Like, there you they're go. incredible. Yeah, I'm sure they're on, like, iTunes. Right, um, I yeah. They're on Spotify too. Okay, go. I know Amazon Music Unlimited has Return of the King. Um, I don't know about the others, but yeah, if they're on Spotify, like Ali said, and then iTunes, track them down. They're absolutely worth it. Yeah. Oh, well, I should say Apple Music because I guess iTunes is dead. Rest in peace. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> I live for every scene. Uh, hard right turn, but I live for every scene with. That's it's not. There's not that many of them, but I'm just Gandalf. Talking with one character as they look over Middle Earth and talk about like the deep philosophy, you know, just the uh, 
so in this one it's Aragorn. Uh, there's a scene where they're they're napping, you know, Legolas and Gimli are chilling out, uh, and we get you know Aragorn approaching a considering uh, Gandalf, and I just mm-hmm. uh, and the moment of them talking about like uh, you know there's like the, it's all in the hands of a Hobbit, and the look of and Gandalf's face when he realizes that when he hears that Sam's with him, it's amazing. <laughs> It's it's so funny. Oh, yeah. It's so funny you bring that up, Sim, because I'm like last episode. I'm watching the movie in the background, and that scene is playing out right now. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, and uh, and also when Harrison was explaining uh, the 2001 shit, it was also playing uh, as he was saying that. So it's creeping me out that you guys are in sync with this movie right now. <laughs> um, Yo, do these doubles commentaries? Fucking <laughs> maybe, let yeah. us know in the comments. <laughs> Tweet at us at Talk Film Society at Sick underscore underscore six six at Rocky Warrens at Sam Shot First <laughs> at Marcelo Pico at Play Champion. Let us know. Does this shit sync up? <laughs> uh, dark side of the moon this shit uh so where are we now we so uh, now we're about, we have to cut back to uh frodo and sam a little bit here with because uh, of the dead marshes yes yeah, this shit, yeah some about the yo, dead marshes all right yo fuck the marshes <laughs> fucking hate this shit oh Creep, so creepy they sold that really well you know, i also just they, hate this part of the movie not gonna lie you 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 legitimately yeah. hate it, Harrison? Like I legitimately don't like it. Like it. Yes, it's world building. Yes, they're at but yes, they're at the field of the Battle of Dagorland, and it's lore wise important. But like, you can kind of skip over Frodo falling in. Like, yeah, we know Gollum is protective of him because he swore to protect the Master of the One Ring. Which side note really kind of refers to Gollum more than it refers to Frodo, but I digress. Um, <laughs> but, like, you can kind of skip over all the dead body stuff and just go right to uh, them camping out and Gollum trying to eat the lumbus bread and the reveal of the fell beast with the ring wraith. Like, the entire diversion in the marsh itself doesn't add anything. Well, I'll... Okay, fine, but I'll say... Here we go, Sam. Go ahead. <laughs> the uh, the him falling in is, for one thing, just in terms of getting to see the ghost for the first time. I think that shit rules, and I think also just anytime uh, Jackson gets to go full horror mode is something I'm going to be in the mood for. That right there. That's why and, I would never trade that scene for the world. Like it's Jackson being like, "I need a horror scene." Like you know, I need a straight up like fucked up twist your brain horror scene and like that did it i would trade this scene for more time with aragorn trying to recruit like the dead army yes absolutely but i like like the uh, i like that we get this introduction to the pale this pale just in terms of just in terms of design i'm good to there you know aesthetics like this pale green color that we get that we see every time both with ghosts but also kind of just like anytime there's like a death magic like the, the the same pale green that we see later in uh Minus Morgul, uh, it just, uh, I just, on a pure design side, it's just, it's awesome and, and really yeah, I, do like it. I think it's a really interesting choice to use mm-hmm. that color because usually, like, I feel like anyone else would use red or some shit. Yeah. But red yeah. or black or, you know, like, is, so, yeah. yeah. I will give you all this. It is visually interesting, but, mm-hmm. like, this yeah. is the part of the movie every time where I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on on Twitter. <laughs> like, I just, I 
tune the fuck out. I have a, I have a question. Does anybody know yeah. offhand if this uh, was cut down for the extended, for the sorry, for the theatrical? If any of this was added in, the Lambus bread part where they're camping and eating, and Golem's like, can't eat this elf shit. That's cut. <laughs> like it goes from like the Frodo Sam stuff goes from him falling into the marsh interim with the the three best boys on the whole damn planet to the reveal of the fell beast with um, the ringwraith. So they cut out the more interesting part. Hmm. But that shit rules, speaking of. uh, The the witch king showing up uh, on the fucking (laughs) dragon. Holy shit. Oh yeah. God damn, that dragon. Excuse you, fell beast. And if we're going to classify them as dragons, it's a wyvern. Yes. The, the best part about that sequence is they shoot him from a side shot. Yes, I was going to so say that. So in your, mm-hmm. in, in your brain, you're just like, oh, he's riding a horse. And yeah. then he pulls back and you're just like, oh, fuck, stakes is high, son. <laughs> like, like, shit got real. Like, every, everything is crazy. Like, they're flying on these motherfuckers? Game over. You know what I mean? Like, that, that was awesome. That was such a good reveal. Like, right. good filmmaking trick. Yeah, no, I, I, I was watching it and I just forgot that uh, he was riding on... Uh, excuse me, Harrison. What is, what is it again? Not a dragon, but a what? Fell beast. Please, please fell just beast. call them fell beasts because <laughs> that is call the appropriate term. All that right. is the appropriate term in this canon. Well, yes. I'm I've always wanted to know that. So thank, I'm serious. Like that's, that's good. I want to know what <laughs> so, they're called. So. Can I just fucking say that the the character design for the Witch King is metal as yeah, fuck. yeah, right, yeah. Like, yeah, they nailed it. They uh, nailed it. The the look of all of them. I mean, all the ring rays are dope, but like the the king just looks fantastic, dude. Oh man, the, the, the those designs again. Yes, metal as fuck. Metal as fuck. Like they metal look great. I th- they look so great. I think it's super cool that like even before the witch king really dons his fucking metal ass armor in Return of the King, the crown that's when shit, he gets no the shit. helmet, which yeah. really distinguishes yeah. him. From everybody else, but before then, it's like those gloves, like those mm-hmm. gauntlets that just kind of link with each other and click, 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 click every time he moves yeah. his hand. They allow you I to distinguish him. him from the others before everything really gets going in Return of the King, which you need to build up to for the Aowen stuff to be super impactful. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Because if they made him like soft as fuck it would mean nothing if she defeated him and he has to be visually distinct from the other ones to exactly, know so exactly. we know he's special like we exactly, already because he is like, yeah speaking of aon yeah let's my yeah. fucking queen let's go back to Listen, rohan i'm gonna fucking pop off right now there you go okay. do it <sighs> We're going to go all over the place, though, because I'm just going to, like, stand for a second. First of all, I love how multifaceted she is because she's nurturing and she fucking cares about people. She cares about Mary. She cares about Aragorn. She cares about people in general. But she's a fucking badass, too, which I really like because you don't really see multifaceted women in a lot of fantasy stuff until Game of Thrones, but that's a different topic. But anyway... (laughs) And so, also, I like that she gets fucking hella rejected. Felt that in my soul. But she stands up. She's like, okay, whatever. I'm still gonna kick ass. And she does. And then, also, I like that she 
sticks up for the little guy and for like the marginalized races in Middle Earth because when Mary wanted to fight they were like nah he ain't it and she was like okay why not why not because she she it's like solidarity between like a marginalized group and like women and so I felt that she's a badass she's my feminist queen and I love her there you go fuck you Arwen and she gets that badass line uh, with Aragorn which we'll get to later but like that you know which really hit me this time this I'm not gonna quote it because I'll ruin it but uh, just her you know saying uh, oh here it is the women of this country learned long ago those without swords can still die upon them there you go yep that okay so that is still part of the speech where she's like where Aragorn's like what does it feel like what do you fear and she says a cage and yeah, her follow up is so good. long ago women in this country realized that like you could even if you don't hold a sword you could still die upon them which is really good foreshadowing to the fact that like you get they get stuck in a fucking cavern in Helm's Deep and are just kind of like waiting for the Uruks to roll up on them yeah Aragorn says you know you are a daughter of kings a shield maiden of Rohan I do not think that will be your fate and the way Vigo delivers that line too is just yeah I, this shit it's great yeah. like it is but a shadow that you, well that's not the part but mm-hmm. oof. is that it is that, wait, was that in this part or the second part my favorite part is in Return of the King we ain't even there yet so I'm gonna, hold, I'm gonna hold on to it and it's not even her big line that she has that's the best shit in the world like every time I saw Return of the King in theaters like all the women in the theater applauded during that sequence and you I'm gonna and you, get that fucking line tattooed on my goddamn forehead yeah. It's perfect, but the the part I'm talking about is before that, and we'll get to it later, I promise. But that's my favorite moment from her. That's when I'm just like, this girl's the shit. Man, like, I've I've always liked her, but that moment was like, god damn, dude. Like, I mean, chills, like fucking chills. Like, it's, I it's normally the thing. do not hate being the youngest person in the room, but right now I hate being the youngest person in the room because y'all motherfuckers keep talking about seeing these movies in theaters, and I couldn't <laughs> because I had to read the goddamn books first, which means Harrison, I had a one year delay on all this. Harrison, how old are you? 23, 24, 24, 24. <laughs> you had to marinate on it. Did, did you just turn 24? No, I turned 20. Uh, yeah, I turned 24 in November, last November. Oh my not, god, not this, this November. is revolutionary. <laughs> what? No. Because I'm not the youngest person in the room anymore. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I fucking love her, and honestly, like, I think people need to come correct about her, because I think she's highly misunderstood. She's incredible. I love her. It, yeah, no. If people stan Arwen over Eowyn, like, fucking sort your shit out and re-examine your feminism. Like, I swear <laughs> to god. And her delivery of uh, to to Grima Wormtongue of your words are poison. That's a great fucking line delivery. I, Get I away from it. me, snake. Uh, he looks greasy. God. Yeah, he looks. He's, Brad Dorf uh, is Brad in Dorf, like man. like the only way he's creepier is when he's Chucky. Like I. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> have you seen The Exorcist Three? You must not have seen The Exorcist Three. Yeah. I haven't seen any Exorcists. The best horror sequel. Or good call. Whatever. It's so good. Anyway, yes. Oh, I want to touch on uh, when our boys meet up uh, with the with the king, right? Oh and fuck yes. Yeah, let's talk this moment. Yeah, yeah. We're an hour twenty in, and we're just getting to here. <laughs> hey, fuck. let's let let's touch here, and then kind of we'll just like skip towards the end of this because yes, I know we're under our time crunch, but I want to talk about this moment for sure. All right, because mm-hmm. it's cool. All right, so. 
Because, yeah, the king, as uh, I think we touched on it, yeah, he's not doing so well, right, guys? Yeah, he looks like, <laughs> he looks like ass. <laughs> does look like ass. Yeah. Great makeup, though, especially in the way that, that when we'll get to here, but, uh, yeah, like, I did not, like, this guy it looks like, this is like an 80-year-old actor here. Like, that's, that's great uh, makeup, too. Yeah, he went down with the Titanic, man. You would look like shit, too. <laughs> like, if you did, you know? Thank like, you. you'd feel bad for sinking that whole crew. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, totally. Like the, the, I think the makeup work that they put on him is a wonderful practical thing. And then when they add the dissolve, when he's actually, you know, healed or whatever, like the spell is broken, like all that stuff looks so good because it's like happening in camera and the dissolve itself is great. And I think even in the commentary, the actor himself is just like, look at this shit. <laughs> he's like, this is the best fucking like dissolve like ever. Like, like, oh my God. He's like, I'm so glad this happened. You know, like he was happy about it, like legit happy. So yeah, um, all that stuff rocks. Um, and again, we'll get to it later, but low key, this guy is one of my favorite characters in the whole story. Yeah. Like, same. Uh, yeah. One of my favorites. And it's because of, you know, his loss of family, him being like, his whole house being broken and just shambles because of this like spell, uh, him losing his son, and then realizing that like, you know what? Let's fucking fight for man. Like, let's get this right. Like, let's team up with the elves. Let's team up with the, let's get this fucking right, dude. And like, fight this big evil. And his journey's great. That's all I'm saying. And uh, really felt it, especially in Return of the King, man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Bernard Hill. Uh, great dude. Yeah. Sweet. You have no power here, Gandalf the Grey, and then takes oh, off his cloak. And, yeah. <laughs> and I love that shot, though, of them. Yeah, like, we're, we're uh, you know, Gandalf's just strolling up slowly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aragorn and yeah. Legolas are, you know, punching dudes. It's so great. Handling it. Yeah, just <laughs> handling shit. Like, manhandling people in the background. Oh, even before that, we got to go to Duraf again. The magical line delivery from Duraf when he's just like, what do you say? Like, I told you to take his staff. What do you say? Like, <laughs> yeah. I told yeah. you to like, take the oh, wizard's staff. Yeah, he's just like, why? You fucking idiot. Like, God damn it. It's like, that is a weapon, you stupid fuck. It's like how he delivered that line. <laughs> it's so good. Again, it's Brad Dourif, man. Like, he's just such a great actor. And that one simple line meant, like, so much. You know, he I delivered think- it so well. I think one of my favorite anecdotes from on set um, was the fact that Brad Dourif refused to drop the British accent while he was there filming. Uh, so once he finally dropped it and just resumed his normal American accent, he uh, Ian McKellen thought he was fucking with him <laughs> and was like, no, nah, no, nah, that's a really good American accent, but you have to be British. Like, there's no way. And he was just like floored when he realized Brad Dourif was American and was like, ah, that's weird. I don't like it. So there you go. The king is cured, right? And let's just skip ahead towards the end of this uh, part one, okay? Because I know we, we, we have a few minutes left. Um, okay, so the Th- Frodo, Sam, Gollum, they go to the gates, right? Yep. And, and yeah, and uh, Gollum's like, no, don't go there. Let's go around it. So they go around it. <clears throat> Uh, I want to. Master cu- did not ask. <laughs> yeah, so he goes. They're like, oh, it's 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 fuck that. So let's go around it. Um, I want to skip to what I wrote down here. An iconic scene out of many iconic yes. scenes. Uh, Sam, do you know what I'm going to what I'm going to bring up? Yes, this is what I brought up earlier, and I thought I'd save it for later. Of how 
fucking amazing Andy Serkis's. Yes. It's fucking stupid. He doesn't have an Oscar yet, but uh, the... Yes. uh, And who cares about Oscars, but still, he needs an Oscar. Anyway, Mm. but this moment of him... The way he breaks between yeah, Smeagol and Gollum is brilliant, and it's so subtle, but also unmistakable when he's you know going back and forth. And then this scene is just—it's and I love how simple it is. It's just him, like it's just cutting back and forth between Smeagol and Gollum, and it's incredible. But like, I think what makes this scene even more special is that it's not two takes cut together. Mm-hmm. They set up two cameras mm-hmm. and just let him go. Yes. Like he was bouncing between the two. Yeah, my dude. It is it yeah. is spliced together footage, so it could be multiple takes. But the fact that the way he decided to play it was instead of just giving one speech to one camera and then doing the other, they they set up two cameras and just told him to do the whole thing. It's perfect, dude. It's like it's they do it again in Return of the King when uh, Frodo is in Sam's lap and they're on the fucking uh, the mountain yep. and they're having trouble mm-hmm. getting up there. Uh, Peter said the same thing. He's like, "I'm just putting two cameras on these actors and I'm going to let them fly, mm-hmm. and they're going to they're going to nail this beat, this moment." But it's even more magical in this sequence because again, to what Sam is saying, Andy Serkis is on fire. Like, if you did not, like, believe in Gollum throughout the whole film, that's the scene that sold you. That's the scene that totally was just like, holy fucking shit, like, this guy is acting his ass off. And he's really selling this fucking digital character, you know, like, in all in all facets, from, from body movement to that's his actual voice, mm-hmm. like, you know, doing the whole performance. That's magic, dude. It's not like... You could have gotten somebody else to do all the, 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 the body work and then did the voice later. You could have cheated this so many different ways. No. They set up two cameras. They let this motherfucker shine. It was great. I'm glad you brought that up for real. Like, that is one of the coolest examples of why Andy Serkis is legendary. And I think we'll go down. Dude, he's going to get an honorary Oscar. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. if, if, he, if he never wins an Oscar Oscar, they're going to recognize his shit like a decade from now. And they're going to be like, you push the tech forward, mm-hmm. period. Here you go. Like, I you mean, know, it's good. this, I will save this discussion for Return of the King because it's more applicable there. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Because the Oscars discussion with Circus absolutely <laughs> applies to Return of the King more than it does here. I feel like such immense sympathy for him <laughs> in the film the way that I don't... I mean, I do feel sympathy for, for the character in the book, but in the film, it's because of his performance that I actually genuinely like. I'm like, you know what? He didn't even do anything wrong. Let him <laughs> live. Just let him free. Just let him free. Because, I don't know, I love that character very, very much, and I feel bad for him. Like I said earlier, I want one. (sighs) I love him so much. And I really also, by the way, just a side note, I don't really like Planet of the Apes, but I love the new Planet of the Apes because of him. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, I can... I'm... Well, I don't know what Harrison thinks, but I understand that viewpoint. I want to fight Ali, but I understand it. I mean, I get it. I I would fight a woman right now, but, like, that's fine. Like, I understand. I fucking... There's a reason I have the calm I do. Um, I haven't seen any of the original Planet of the Apes, but if you were about to talk shit about the recent ones, I was going to, like, fucking fly to Florida, and we were going to have words. (laughs) I think they're perfect. They're incredible. Like, they're so good. 
it's a phenomenal reimagining. It really, it is, really yeah. is. It really is. I do love the original series, but it's. I think for me, the new Planet of the Apes, it's because of Andy Circus that those movies exactly, work that's so exactly damn well. Yeah. How I feel. Yeah. Um, okay. Why don't we? I know we've skipped a lot, guys. We can't talk about every single little detail. All right. Let's just get to the Oliphants. All right. The Timothy Oliphant. The Timothy Oliphant. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Sam. Credit to <laughs> Sam. Best tweet I've seen in a goddamn while. Yo, he's murking these Lord of the Ring tweets, man. He's like, so good. He's killing it. He's killing it. I just want you guys to know that, like, whenever I'm at work or at school or something, and then I open my phone and I have a hundred fucking notifications, I know what they're about already. <laughs> And it's just you guys talking about shit that we're going to talk about on the podcast anyway. It's either horny dudes or dudes horny for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Good point. But um, I do love them, so keep them coming. But, Sam, yours are my favorite. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, you know, if, if anybody is wondering what the fuck we're talking about, Sam, could you uh, uh, give us a play-by-play of, of what your meme is? This <laughs> tweet so, uh, so good. Ryan, uh, the, anytime I hear the word Oliphant, I know it's not spelled the same way. That's why I chose to leave it out. But anyway, the, uh, I took a picture of Sam saying, look, Mr. Frodo, it's an Oliphant with the great character actor, Timothy Oliphant. Because, of course, <laughs> why wouldn't I? And I thought it would be too niche. I swear, like, but oh, it, I mean, I, I I got it right away. I mean, I, <laughs> as yeah. as did I. Of course, yeah. So yeah, here we are. Our our, our little trio uh, is uh, taking a, a gander at these elephants, elephants, Timothy elephants, and uh, yeah, then uh, they get uh, themselves captured by whom? We don't know yet. Oh, we don't know. It's not revealed yet, right? Um, not yet. Not yet. That's how part one ends. All right, before we close it out, I know we skipped through, we skipped through, we skipped over a lot. Let's, we skipped potatoes. We skipped potatoes. That's fine. But uh, why don't we go to final thoughts and maybe we can touch on some things we missed. You know, not everything, but let's go around the table. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts on part one of the two towers. Let's go to Allie first. God, this is my okay. I love the two towers, obviously, but it's not my favorite favorite. But I mean, I I'm, I just don't want to say that it's perfect again. Like I seriously need to look up synonyms because <laughs> I have like I have nothing else to say. I do think that this one is the one where I could do without the most things. Do you know what I mean? Like like we talked about the scene at in the marshes and shit. Like I could have done without that. I love the end stuff, but like could have been a little shorter. I do love Eowyn. She is the shining light of this entire movie, I would say. And I like that we spend a lot of time in Rohan because it's, like, one of my favorite Middle-Earth locations, period. Because I do like the like the, the Celtic feel of it. But that's pretty much it, honestly. I, I like the second half better, so I'll have more to say then. Because one of my favorite characters is introduced in the second half of this. And we'll talk about that. But, um, yeah. Wait, wait, I'm not totally done. We forgot one of the most memorable lines in this entire part. And it's the part where Smeagol asks to give it to him raw and wriggly. (laughs) 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 I get it. 
And maybe that's why I sympathize with Colin so <laughs> Anyway. There you go. Oh. That's my final <laughs> that's my final thought. Perfect. Um, let's go to Rocky. Final thoughts. Uh, you know, I said I think in episode zero that Two Towers is my favorite. Like, if I had a gun to my head and had to pick one, I love them all. Like, I love every single one of these films. For real. Like, from the bottom of my heart. All of them are very special. But there's something about Two Towers that just always resonated with me. And Sam hinted at it earlier. And again, I brought it up earlier. is the whole just nature fighting back against industry and washing it away with water. I mean, like... There, there's so much beauty in that. I mean, this, there's for as much as I'm a tech guy, I mean, I need tech to make music. Like, I need tech to like, you know, communicate with y'all. Like, it's like, it's like I, I'm not. It's, it's not lost on me how important tech is. But man, getting out in the woods once in a while is a beautiful fucking thing. And looking at the stars and just appreciating just mother nature and two towers reminds me of that like at almost every turn it reminds me of how special it is and and, and again in the second half we'll, we'll emphasize this a little more but for this first chunk i think it's a beautiful continuation again peter jackson does that bit in the intro that i'm like dude i'll follow you anywhere like, if you're showing me a fucking wizard falling down this chasm, fighting a Balrog, I'll follow you anywhere, dude. Like, that's how it hit me as an audience member. That's how it hits me as, like, a 39-year-old dude watching him now. I'm just like, dude, these are special. Like, this whole trilogy is fucking special. Needs to be talked about in the same regard as Star Wars. Needs to be talked about in the same regard as, you know, I love the Matrix trilogy. Some people wouldn't put that up there, but I would. I think the Matrix trilogy is fucking important. Uh, but Two Towers... Is beautiful. Two Towers is a wonderful way of continuing fellowship. Like, it didn't lose me as an audience member. It kept me perfectly in tune with what was going on. Again, the Rohan music, the, the Shore just showing you over and over again, oh, he's the guy for the job. Holy shit. You know, and how hard that job must have been, by the way. And just uh, what an amazing achievement on all fronts, period. Like, I mean, I can throw more hyperbole on it, but I won't. I mean, it's great. I mean, Two Towers is fucking great at every turn. Anytime I revisit it, especially for this podcast, I'm like, God damn, Peter Jackson did it, dude. Like, he really did it. Like, oh my God. He was definitely helped by two powerful women on that screenplay, but still, like, uh, they pulled it off as a team. They pulled off something very special you know yeah. it's that saying you know behind behind every great man there's a great woman well he had two two of them. great women yeah. behind him you know two and they really elevated that material man they made the women shine they made the fucking like the stakes matter i mean in, in an emotional front like they, they they made me care on a soulful spiritual level even though I got talking trees <laughs> and like all kinds of <laughs> fucked up weird shit like happening throughout this movie, I'm in tune with it still. Like, I, I mean, even if I had never read the books, I would still be like, oh my God, like this is beautiful. You know, it would still resonate with me. Yeah. You know? So that's my final impression. I mean, Two Towers for life, man. I mean, yeah. that, that whole that whole saga is great, but Two Towers is very special to me. And we still have another half to go, Rocky. I mean... <laughs> yeah, so my final thoughts would be... Uh, that like I said earlier, I said on Twitter when I started watching it that like this might be my favorite, and but it's, it's like it switches basically every year. Like it just depends on what my mood is. But like right now, and it's hard to, when we're splitting them up. Like it only the first half is great, but like it needs that second half, which I think is back to the word that we're using too much of. I'll, I'll use the synonym immaculate uh, trilogy. Uh, is the 
is the Helm's Deep shit. So we'll get there. I'll really gush uh, in part two of this, but I don't think I'll, I think all the part one stuff works, especially in when we when you combine them into the you know into the three and a half hour thing. Uh, but like I don't know. I think it's all great. I think it just it's, it is a little awkward if you split them, but I usually don't split them, so it's a little it's hard to say. But yeah, uh, but fucking Helm's Deep, we're gonna go. Nuts. Next, you know, next, on the next part. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Final thoughts wise, I like. Mm. So I have the unfortunate position of being the person who's the most negative on this half. Um, I think this chunk of the movie spends too long on table setting, like. Gandalf says it in Return of the King, the piece the board is set, the pieces are moving. Well, the first half of the two towers is two old men setting up the board. Like, I'm sorry, but it is. I pause to go to the bathroom at about the point Aragorn and Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, meet the Rohirrim, and I was like, it's been 20 minutes. It's only been 20 minutes. I can't fucking handle this. Just, it takes too long to get there. And just, the second half is so much better. Like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's just, it's a four and a half instead of a five. As for me, final thoughts, uh, I, I'm, I, I love this. I honestly do. But... I have to kind kind of sort of not really just a little bit agree with Harrison. Yes, there is a lot of place setting, you know, chess pieces moving, you know, but I still love watching that. Um, and uh, I, 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 I'm still thrilled by a lot of this section of the franchise, like this part, you know, it is weird. Like Sam was saying that we're splitting this up in halves, but it's an interesting exercise, you know, though this part of the film may not be the most exciting one. We're going to get that in the second part of two towers, but for what it is, I'm like, yes, I can still watch this over and over and over again. So yeah, those are my final thoughts. So we've, uh, we've seen an hour and 46 minutes of the two towers folks. If you're watching this digitally, press, Press pause there and then wait for us to come back or play the next episode. And, uh, you know, uh, here's talk about the Two Towers Part 2 Extended Edition. And that's it. And now it's time for our signature catchphrase. Keep keep them helms deep in them guts. Get up in them guts. <laughs> You can follow me at sick underscore underscore six six or more salacious content over at the blur bitch underscore underscore. And you can listen to my podcast sequels S E E Q U E L S through talk film society or anywhere you hear your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam shot first. And I'm the host of talk film Society's Keanu Reeves retrospective podcast. Keanu believe it, which is also on Twitter at Keanu believe it. You can follow me on Twitter at play underscore champion. And I also host a Disney podcast called Dream a Little Deeper. Follow me on Twitter, Rocky Warrants, R-O-C-K-I-E-W-A-R-A-N-T-Z. And because of this uh, gross pandemic, I've been doing a whole bunch of gaming. So I'm also on Twitch. So Rock Agus on Twitch if you want to watch me game and come hang out. And you can follow me on Twitter at Marcelo J. Pico. And you can follow Talk Film Society at Talk Film SOC. Go to our website 
talkfilmsociety.com, listen to our other podcasts, read our articles, and if you want to hear bonus episodes of this show and others, go to patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode, where we cover part two of The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. <laughs>